Welcome to JFK and the Enduring Secret. I'm your host, Jeff Crudell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is episode 88. Today, we're doing a little bit of an experiment. For the most part, I try to keep to a very disciplined editing approach on the length of our episodes, and generally, I try to keep them to around 30 minutes, plus or minus. Occasionally, though, and more particularly where outside testimony is involved, I have found that difficult. In fact, episode 87 was the longest yet, at over an hour in length. So I do apologize for that, as it was a long one to listen to with Floyd Reby, Man Me, and Jeremy Gunn, all three of us, talking a lot. Today, we're going to try something a little different when it comes to formatted length. This episode's material is well-suited for the experiment. So, if episode 87 was the alpha, then today's episode 88 is the omega when it comes to the length of an episode. This will be the shortest episode I've done, and it's simply to finish up with Floyd Reby. And since we are trying out this new format, I would love to hear from you again, or perhaps even just the first time. And you can do that by emailing me at podcastjfk at gmail.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-J-F-K at gmail.com. If you like this format for an episode, we'll do more of the shorter ones and less of the longer ones. Well, if we can Most of us have had our fill with him already, but there was something that I hinted at in a part of episode 87, and with 87 already at one hour plus, there just didn't seem to be enough time to finish up with this little piece, this last little piece. And so what was it that Reby said? What was the little bit of testimony left that needed to be brought out? Well, that takeaway is that in David Lifton's original interviews with Reby, He was adamant that the entire rear and lower part of the head in the occipital region was blown out. But now, fast forward to Reby's ARRB testimony, and at the end of the day, he substantially changed his view from what you heard in earlier episodes. And it was quite evident toward the end of his testimony when he was in front of the ARRB lawyers. In the last couple of questions that Jeremy Gunn would ask him, well, Rather disappointingly, you would hear from Reby an acknowledgement that some of the photographs clearly now showed a hole higher up in the head than what he had originally seen, except the exchange began to show the cracks in his memory, or truly just the transition to a new narrative, when he now said and that the head one was higher, and then finally he would make the most astounding comment of his sworn testimony when he would view the famous intact photo of the back of the president's head, and he would agree the president's scalp was intact all the way down to the hairline. That was the way he now remembered it. Well, that was a far cry from his previous statements in the 1970s made to Lifton when he was very clear that the rear of the head was completely blown out. You heard those statements in a previous episode when the ARRB lawyers played the tape when interrogating John Stringer. So, What happened to this witness? Why would there be such a huge pivot? The idea of best evidence that we have come to know so well on this journey, the concept of best evidence will always tell you 
but the earlier testimony is the better testimony, unless there is some extenuating circumstance. And certainly in the case of the Kennedy assassination, there were many. The threats, the concerns that people had, the secrecy orders that were in place related to the autopsy. There were so many factors, and the pressures associated with them could have come into play at various times for various witnesses. There is no doubt that Reby's about-face is one of the most quizzical elements of all the ARRB testimony that was taken. Had it not been for the incredible effort of David Lifton in those early years, and then the recording of Reby's words on tape, well, you never would have believed that there was an eyewitness who saw something terribly different there. You know, if that would have happened, there would have been no controversy here at all. You would be doing something different this morning besides listening to this last episode on Reby. But instead, there was the ghost of the assassination, figuratively the ghost of another Rosetta Stone associated with the case. And right there in the room that day, like I have said before, in so many ways, on so many occasions, life is a complicated thing. And this whole affair, the assassination of the President of the United States, well, it's easy for us some 60 years or so later to scrutinize it in the scientific way that we are trying to do so and to try and do it so dispassionately. And that comes without much consideration of any of the pressures which any of these witnesses might have been under. In one way, it allows us to see things much more clearly without the so-called fog of war and without the fear of the moment that came with this whole circumstance as it happened and during its aftermath as it was being formally investigated. On the other hand, there is a certain naivete in that approach. Prosecutors know this. Defense attorneys know this. Investigators know this. Because in life, nothing happens in a vacuum, and so many things are intertwined with so many other things, making the truth complicated and, at times, very elusive. Ah, the web that is weaved, right? Sound familiar to you and the things that you observe in the world today? And of course, the web that was weaved here in the Kennedy assassination comes from that same dynamic of life. But in this case, one that was, well, let's say, one with more far-reaching tentacles, one with more complicated and fantastic implications, one with infinitely greater fear associated with it, all of which have a curious impact on the human condition and the way human beings engage as players in it. Simply put, some witnesses stand up and into the fray and are a beacon of courage and clarity, and others crouch down or walk away quietly, hoping never to be seen or identified so that they will never have to be heard from, or, once found, just willing to say only things that keep them from danger. Still, others see it as a curious elixir for things in life that were never there before and may never be there again, and their chance for the five minutes upon the stage to strut and fret, despite the fact that it's like having a peep show present at a funeral, distasteful and distracting. Well, I'll leave it to you as a juror to figure out what's going on here. Well, that small wander is over, so let's listen to these final few comments made by Reby. Oh, and one more thing. Unfortunately, the last most important audio clip that you will hear from Reby today as a technical defect. It has been sped up somehow, and it sounds a little like, well, you know, Donald Duck talking. You know that sound. But don't let that fool you. 
it's the most serious and the most important exchange among the clips that you will hear today. So listen carefully. That is, listen carefully to the words and not the silly tone of it that is attributable to the technical defect. And then, let's get on to more episodes. So, without further ado, let's listen to episode 88 of JFK, The Enduring Secret. Do you, do you see any significant injuries to the left side of President Kennedy's head? No. And does that correspond reasonably closely with your own recollection? Yes. Okay. We then go to the, the second view, which has been described as the right side of head and right shoulder. Black and white images, numbers 5 and 6, color numbers 26, 27, and 28. Mr. Reedy, are you able to see those images that I just described reasonably closely now? Yeah. <coughs> Do those images correspond, at least in a general way, with what you observed at the autopsy of President Kennedy on November 22nd? Yes. Is there anything that you see in those images that appears to be different from what you recall that night? Well, the wound is placed different, but it could be just The wound is more on the top side of the head. In the back. When you say the wound, you're referring to the wound as it appears in the photograph yes. is in a location somewhat different from what you recollected from the It could be. It just... Yeah. I couldn't, my recollection could have been off too from whatever that night. But that looks about right. Could you look at the back of President Kennedy's head in the occipital region? You previously used the term occipital, is that right? Yes. <coughs> it's one piece. Does, does that correspond with what you observed on the night of November 22nd? Yeah. So that where it appears, at least to me, that there is uh, hair and scalp covering the occipital area, that does not differ from what you saw on November 22nd? I don't think, I don't think so, no. So it, it seems to be a reasonably accurate description? Yeah. Okay, cutting up, please. Thank you for listening to episode 88 of JFK, The Enduring Secret.